Season's greetings, everyone. Welcome to uh, episode 175 of the In Squash podcast. Uh, I'm Jerry Gibson, your host, and George Parker is our guest today. And, and what a fantastic chat uh, we had with George. I've always uh, been a fan of his game, and uh, I told him so uh, during our chat. Um, and He's been playing really well uh, of late, some uh, some good wins over guys ranked above him and also stretching a few of the top 10 uh, guys into latter stages of, of matches. So he's ready to uh, to make a, a push into that uh, upper echelon of the game, top 20, top 15. Uh, he's in a very good place uh, right now, uh, which we talk about on the podcast. We also take a look uh, back at his early uh, days as a, as a standout in the English uh, junior squash scene and European uh, junior champion in 2015 got out of the gates pretty uh, quickly as a pro winning a few uh, tournaments so we uh, look at those early days and how uh, he was able to parlay his uh, his early junior success into uh, some decent success early on but then uh, where the stumbling blocks uh, also uh, came to uh, to appear for him uh, he's uh, he's not playing at black ball as many of you uh, may have noticed but we uh, he's been watching and we talk a bit about the the early rounds and also uh, the women's event that just concluded uh, he had some uh, insight on SJ Perry's win uh, he's been playing in the Italian league so we talk about that as well what the Italian league's all about and and the quality uh, of that league there uh, some good squash there for him uh, and we also take a look uh, at the uh, of course the, the black ball we just talked about that but uh, Mustafa saw the uh, you know his early uh, his first round match drew the uh, the ire of PSA uh, squash TV a little bit and uh, George had some uh, some insight on Mustafa what he feels about uh, his style of play and uh, as well uh, we take a look at uh, those years where he sort of struck Struggled a little bit uh, with his temperament. Uh, he was banned by the PSA for a little bit, and uh, his struggles to overcome uh, those issues on court. And he's uh, making inroads. He, you know, he admittedly says he's not quite there yet, but he's definitely in a better place. And we talk all about that. So really, uh, I know you're going to enjoy uh, George Parker here on 175 episode 175. Now, before we get into it, though, uh, just quickly about our sponsor, Active Scout. Uh, we're hoping to have. Uh, Rob on soon. I've been saying that for several months, but Rob of Active Scout, and he's going to tell us all about how the app works in terms of spreading the game, growing the game, and that's something that we really want to do. If you want to check out the app, it's a Active Scout. That's Active without the E. dot com. Uh, get your club management to take a look at it. It's a tremendous way to uh, grow the community at your club, to grow the game, to get people uh, connected, and with that connection outside of uh, you know, using WhatsApp and app like that. This is really just squash, everything about it. So uh, take a look at it. It's activescout.com. That's active without the E, scout.com. And now, without further ado, George Parker, episode 175. Hey there, you all right? Oh, hi, George. How you doing, man? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate your time. Thanks a lot for, uh, no no for taking the time out. George, you're just getting uh, you're just getting back from uh, from Italy, are you? Yeah, yeah. Just played Italian league. Um, became second. Yeah, it was good. Good weekend. Um, bit of normality out there as well. Um, oh, yeah. How, how's that? A bit, um, I, I guess you know. Well, we, from from the UK where you've got lockdown issues, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we're quite um, at the moment in England. We're in a tier system, and um, I'm where I'm from. I'm in tier three, which means there's not a lot of things open Ooh, and okay. not a lot of stuff to do. But in Italy, was um, they've got a tier system, but it's um, yellow, green, and red. And yellow's the lowest. And where I was at Riccioni, it was at his lowest, so we could go out to restaurants and enjoy ourselves a bit better. So it was quite a nice time. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, I guess uh, you must have taken advantage of. Uh of the good food over there as well. Yes. And the bit of pasta. Oh yes. Without that. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely food. <laughs> What's the Italian league? Like, uh, who, nope. who's all, uh, any, any, uh, anyone that we might know that, that played in that? Yeah. It's, uh, Italian league is actually really strong. Um, there wasn't any top, top 30 or 40 players there this time because they're most playing in Egypt, but, I've played with Joel Makin, um, I think even Paul Coles on the 
the list for some of them. Um, so that the the standards actually one of the highest standard leagues there is. So oh, wow, yeah, it's strong. Yeah, I remember back in the day. You don't really hear of too many. Uh, I'm sure there are quite a few strong up and coming Italian uh, players, but uh, back in the day, there used to be a guy by the name of Davide Bianchetti. Yeah, I've I've heard that name before. Yeah. Yeah, he was quite, quite a, uh, quite a prolific showman on the court. Yeah, uh, yeah. They've, um, I'm not sure if they've got any. I think they've got one junior. I played an Italian junior. Um, I forgot his name now, but he was pretty handy. I think he's about 90 in the world. I played him, but yeah, I don't think they've got the, um, like the base of people coming through like England and places like that. Right on. Well, uh, George, it's really great to have you on. I mean, I've been, I've been a a big fan of your game. Uh, you, you play a, a style of play that I, I think I, I used to sort of have that. I'm a, I'm a bigger guy, like I'm about 6'2", and don't move mm-hmm. nearly as well as you do and not nearly as physical, but I kind of played like you, but uh, really uh, enjoy watching you play. Ha- have you been watching uh, any of the black ball? Uh, yeah, I've just I've just been watching it this second. I've just been watching Gawad play Shabini. Uh, okay. I watched it. I watched Declan James play this morning. He put in a really oh, good shift. Oh, he played wonderful. Uh, too bad about yeah. fifth there. I guess he just ran out of uh, yeah. ran out of gas. He, hang, he was hanging on. <laughs> he was hanging on for a long time, and he was quite gutsy to stick in there. So, he, yeah, credit to him. Um, yeah, it was a good yeah, finish he had in the fourth game. I love watching well. play. Good strong finish in that at the end of the fourth game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Dex. Uh, he's been training hard these last. Um, that these last through lockdown, he's put, I think he's put in a good shift. So I think he's I think he he's confident that he's fit and believes that he's fit. So that's going to help, isn't it, in them situations? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's got so, I mean, he's got such a good, strong like that that attack that that shot that he played to win the fourth game. He seems to be able to pull that off whenever whenever he can whenever it presents itself. Really. Yeah, he's um, around the middle. I think I think he lost his way for a bit, um, but I think recently. You know, that's his biggest strength, I think, attacking in straight lines and using his body, using his size. is uh, That's when he's at his most difficult to play. So, yeah, he does pull that straight kill off a lot. He does, yeah. You play with uh, with uh, Declan a little bit, don't you? You guys train yeah. a little bit together, don't you? Every week, yeah. We play every week. I've trained with him. Oh, dear. Okay. Yeah, once or twice a week for probably about three years now. So, All right. yeah, we know him his game very well. <laughs> Yeah, he's a he's a friend of the podcast. He's been on the, he's been on twice. Oh, really? Brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a good friend of mine. Dad. That's great. That's great. Uh, just wondering if you if you saw any of uh, the Mustafa Saul uh, match again. No. Uh, who who did he play again? Um, uh, Mahesh. Oh, right, right, Mahesh. Yeah, uh, it was. I mean, it was a great match, but uh, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, you know what he's like. I mean, he he's yeah. a pretty dynamic player. But uh, you know, polarizing figure. He he had a few uh, issues there with the refs and down balls and uh, PSA squash TV gave him a bit of a hard time. What do you? What's your take on on his uh, on his game? Uh, I think he's uh, he's very explosive. His his squash is obviously yeah top five uh, in the world level. Um, some of the results he's had. Like I enjoy watching him play. Like I think he's. You know, I think it gets people talking about the sport more, people reviewing, looking back at matches more. So I think yeah. on the whole, it's uh, I think he's good for the sport. Um, obviously, some of the behaviour stuff, I, 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 um, some of my behaviour stuff isn't, isn't good for the sport. It's quite like contrast-like. But the way he plays, it's so explosive and in your face. I think it does, it makes good TV for squash. Absolutely. You know, I think yeah. I think he's pushing that forward the most in the, the explosive play and like the, the tactics and stuff like that. So I think on the whole it's it's a positive. No one likes to see um people not being truthful with uh, double bounces and stuff like that. Um that's yeah. obviously not good. And I don't you know, I don't agree with that. But in terms of being physical and getting in the way and fist pumping and doing that kind of stuff, I th- I haven't got a problem with that at all. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and he seems like a, a sort of an affable kind of guy, you know, off the court. He just seems to be happy, go lucky, you know, uh, enjoys his enjoys his life, yeah. enjoys his squash. Uh, but yeah, he uh, and just some of the some of the gets he got. Like I, I was I was almost certain he didn't pick up like three or four balls, but 
just the way he's so, he's so quick onto the ball. Yeah, he's he's uh, I don't think he does a lot of gym, but he's naturally ex- so explosive. It's uh, I'd say he's one of the most explosive guys on tour. And I don't think any of that's come from uh, gym work because he's only a young lad. It just looks like he's uh, naturally powerful on that right leg. He just sticks it out, and he's just <laughs> and he's also got a lot of deception with the intensity yeah. of it as well because he moves onto the ball so fast in the front corners. If he actually doesn't hit hard to the back and he just takes the pace off it, it's so hard to read. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like watching him play. He'd be a nightmare to play against as well. So. Um, well, I mean, I uh, I'm going to get into this later, but I'm going to get into this later. But I mean, you you've had some really good results against the guys in the top ten lately. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But I I, I also want to get your take on uh, I think someone who's in your stable with you, a female, uh, obviously uh, S J Perry. Uh, she just won the the women's black ball, yeah. and uh, I mean I I always liked uh, I I like her game, especially when she's you know playing well she's got her racket going but uh, you know I didn't pick her wouldn't have sort of picked her to win last week but uh, it was just uh, incredible what she did talk about uh, SJ a bit because I think you spend uh, a little bit of time with her uh, she's in Rob Owens I, I, yeah I'm, I'm not with I've, I haven't been to Rob Owens for a while I don't train with Rob no more but I have been around SJ when I was with Rob and um, yeah her technical ball striking abilities like obviously like top top two three in the world she's uh she knows how to play she's got a good squash brain I watched that I actually watched the end of that final against her mummy um and it was uh it was I was very impressed actually because I as the match went on I'd obviously put it in not in SJ's favour as, <laughs> as the rallies yeah. were getting longer but she seemed to squeeze she seemed to squeeze the ball on the side wall and just like create pressure intensity and um, get the other one chasing like running around and doing way more work and um, yeah I was pretty impressed really with the way she held it together for five games so yeah yeah she's she's very talented yeah for sure I, I never you know if a game goes to five and she's such a big girl and uh, doesn't always you know appear to be that fit yeah. uh, man she uh, I think it was her third maybe her third five game match that she won in the, in the event so uh, yeah speaks to uh, I guess yeah. the, the tough mental toughness as well but uh, George I just, I just wanted to take a look yeah. back if you don't mind at your uh, your your squash uh, I mean uh, as a junior uh, you 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 pretty much uh, won everything for England uh, from under 13 all the way through to under 19 and then in 2015 you won the European uh, uh, national championships as a junior as well so uh, if you don't mind take it if you took a look back at that time uh you know where did your where did your talent uh, where did that stem from and who sort of uh, helped guide you uh through those successful uh years as a junior yeah I was I was quite lucky when I was younger my dad um managed a squash club in Leicester called the Chase Hotel it was originally called Leicester Squash okay so I'd, I had really good access to courts when I was younger from the age of five or six I'd I was basically just a court rat and just enjoyed being on court all the time. So a lot of the skill development, I personally think, with the ball control um, and solo practice, I think that comes from that early age, from eight years old, hitting the ball right the way up to 13, 14. I feel like you you learn so much in them times. One, because you're so keen, you know, and it's just who you're developing, the way your brain's developing and stuff. I just feel like that, that was a massive help for me, just court time when I was younger. And then um, as I got older, um, when I was starting to get in the England setup around 11, 12, 13, um, the England coaches were, there's a guy called, he's the man, he's the, the top guy in England squash now. Keir Worth was around. Um, okay. Fiona Geeds um, yeah. used to coach me when I was really young, um, when I was 13, 14. And that getting in the England setup really motivated me, you know, um, at that age to try and progress. And I really looked up to the pros like Nick and Willstrop. It was sort of that age where, you know, you're just yeah. absorbing absolutely everything. Um, and then you, when, as I got... You, uh, you worked with uh, Nick for a while uh, as well, didn't you? Yeah, that was more recently. I still see Nick um, in, in a like a squad format. I go over there and um, hit with the I'm boys. I'm also working with Nick, by the way. Uh, I, I follow his uh, online lockdown uh, training routine. Oh, is it? Oh, but that's pretty tough, isn't it? <laughs> They're crazy. Yeah, he's, he's he's still a fit guy now. Um, 
Yeah, yeah I, go, I still go over there and hit with the boys. There's a there's a good, there's a very professional setup there, um, and there's some good, decent plays there. So I I go over there a bit. But yeah, when I was um, when I got to like 13, 14, 15, and you go into the high school and stuff like that, obviously I lost a bit of interest in squash. I think like a lot of players do, and then I started to come back round when I was like 16, 17. Um, and I was quite a strong lad, so I think that helped me, you know, in terms of I was quite, developed like a man quite early at 17, 18. I was built like a man, so I think that helped me in my junior career because you could sort of out strength a lot of people. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why I've got quite a decent record. But then as soon as you go up into the men's game and uh, they've got an answer for your questions, you know, and with a strength type thing and the rallies yeah. are prolonged, it, it doesn't really, it doesn't have that much significance to to the results. So obviously you can't just be strong and go into the, the, the men's game and start like winning tournaments. You need way more than that. So, um, but yeah, I think that, that it, it was just throughout my, the, the main thing for me, I think developing was definitely the early start I had as a yeah. junior, I think, you know, early on, I was just on court so much. And I think that's why the Egyptians do so well, you know, just c- c- pure court time and quality of players around. Um, you know, I think, I think that's why they're developing so well. Yeah, same, uh, I mean, I live in the UAE near near Dubai, and there are quite a few Egyptians around uh, here. And uh, just, I mean, I think they just go to the club after school with their parents. They spend uh, hours on court just playing, having yeah. fun. And uh, yeah. you see these young kids. I mean, Jesus, they're like seven, eight years old, and they're they're you're, you know they're hitting perfect forehand, backhand <laughs> you know, drives up and down the wall. They can do it for hours. Yeah, I went. Uh, I played Egyptian league um, for the first time about a year ago, and it was pretty like like the the level of juniors they had there at a young age was pretty scary. Actually, like <laughs> to see you know how well these young girls and these young lads are actually playing, and the volume of them, not just one or two. Mm. Like England, we have a couple of maybe two or three juniors in the whole country. What are like? Oh, I'd look at him and think, yeah, he's a talent. But in um, in Egypt, there's there's ten at one club. You know, there's ten <laughs> kids at one club which are like running around, hitting, slapping the ball hard, moving well. It's it's quite scary the way how quickly they're developing. Um, yeah. yeah, oh for sure. And uh, yeah, I, I I think it's yeah it's, it's the this club atmosphere that they have. It's not like a squash club. Like you know, we go to the squash club have a have a couple of beers after we play or whatever, but what, what they do over there, it's more like a family club. I think that's how yeah. it works, isn't it? So they, they go with their, with their parents after school and whatnot. And that, and it's more, more like that. It's more sort of conducive to uh, like family activity. Uh, yeah. I just found it was a lot more competitive as well though, because, oh yeah, you know, if I was in, when I was younger, I was always the best player at my club. So I didn't have it like, because there wasn't that many players around as a junior, I was always the best one, but you could be a, a really good player in Egypt and be like the 10th best at your club, you know? Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. just so much more competitive to try and reach the next person. I just felt like these young kids, uh, they were competing every day, like a tournament type thing, because they wanted to play for their club. They wanted to play for their country. It was just, it, on the whole, it was just way more competitive, I thought as well. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I spoke to Mohammed, uh, sorry, Mustafa Asal on, on the podcast a while ago. And I think he was saying when he was in under 13 or something, he was like 30th, ranked 30th in Egypt. Yeah. That tells <laughs> you for his age. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. But, yeah. but just speaking to that, I mean, uh, like in my own, I think I've said this about 20 times uh, here, but uh, in my own little squash world, uh, in Nova Scotia, Canada, you might know uh, Halifax. We used to have the Blue Nose uh, Classic. Uh, you, you've played in um, in Calgary, I think. The, yeah, the I've played a bit in Canada. Event. Yeah, but uh, in my in my province, I was always sort of number one junior from a young age as well. And then when I hit uh, senior, and you, you brought this up just a minute, uh, a few minutes ago, once I left you, it took me like forever to find my game again because – uh, I think it's like like you said. Once you, if, if you've matured young, and then you reach a point where all these other guys are starting to grow and get strong, and then you have to play against the bigger guys as well. It can be a bit uh, a bit difficult uh, for someone who's who's had it a little bit easy. Is that kind of how yeah. it played out for you? But it didn't really play out that way for you. That because you no, uh, you, you you won a few tournaments 
right from the jump, didn't you, as a pro? Yeah. I think I had quite a lot of uh, matches under my belt as a junior. I played quite a lot um, and I was quite aggressive. And yeah, being aggressive and strong as a junior is always going to, you know, it's going to help you, you know, in under 17 and under 19s. If you're built like a man and you're aggressive and, you know, you you try and play intense squash, which I did, I think you can uh, sort of steamroll quite a lot of juniors, but it's not, you know, the, as soon as you go up into the men's game, that's not going to happen. You know, they're, they're going to have an answer for that and um, you need plan B. And I never really had a plan B for a while. You know, it was, I'd go out full steam ahead and if I'd get a game and then I'm fall off a cliff type thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. But after after a while, as soon as you spent a couple of years, you know, playing the fives and tens, you might get a little break. And then the main thing what helped me as well, I think, was uh, being a bit more mentally fit, being prepared to do a bit more work, you know, not being fried and having some longer rallies and stuff like that definitely helped me, you know, f- to get through the you know, the 20Ks and the 10Ks and stuff like that to get through because you're not you're not really that frightened of um the hard work and that is the only answer really is hard work you know it is a very technical sport but to get through four matches five matches in a row and win them all and win these 10ks you've got to be you have to be fit mentally and physically you know you can't just turn up and like play well for one like one game and scrape through and you're tired the next day if you can't back up mentally and physically and early on you can't um you just won't get the break that you need to get into the top 20, you know, because you just need to be solid mentally. And I found, you know, that helped me a bit. Um, I've had a few wobbles, obviously, because that's my personality. But definitely when I made a bit of a jump, it was more of the the mindset. I was felt like I was fitter. I was training harder. Um, and that, that gave me the jump from 60 to 30 in the world. So, yeah, sure. Is that... Uh... Uh, right now, um, you're—I mean, you, you've been playing some really good squash, George. You've, uh, you've had wins over uh, some guys that are ranked a little bit higher than you, or, or I'm not sure if they yeah. still are, but you know, guys like uh, Victor Quinn, Lucas Serum, uh, Greg Loban, even. And then you've also yeah. uh, stretched uh, guys that are in the top ten. So, um, I mean, what what do you attribute uh, this this new success, uh, more recent success to? Is it something that you've changed in your game or changed mentally, maybe, as you uh, just mentioned? I think so, yeah. I, going back to that, when I, I say I got really fit, well, fit, fitter, and um, my mindset was quite stuck in a, a way of playing, which was not negative, but didn't really suit my style. Um, uh, like my, my DNA of playing, really. Like I said, when I was a junior, aggressive, play, strong, like, attacking I think that suits my style more but for a couple of summers I really focused on because it was my biggest weakness my endurance I really focused on trying to you know get better at that and because I was losing a lot of matches where I was playing well and dominating for half an hour 40 minutes and I'd get tired so Mm. um, that my main goal was to try and get more endurance so I did get a lot more endurance but I sort of forgot what made me a good player in the first place and I think it's a massive thing I think Squash players can get so obsessive with one thing, a weakness. You can lose your soup, like your strength, um, trying to work on your weakness, and uh, that was a massive. Yeah, that's thing. something that uh, I guess one of your old, uh, a guy that you work with, um, uh, Nick Matthew, a, a guy that he, pre- he what he preaches quite a bit is, uh, you know, create or you know develop that uh, super strength in your. Yeah. Game. So what is that for you? For me, I think um, definitely my strength. And uh, when I'm moving with my explosive, explosiveness, I think the way the game's going, it's it's all going that way, more speed, more open. I think for me, I think I need to get my fitness, cardio and muscular endurance to a level where I'm happy to play for an hour and 10, hour and 20 with the, the top 20 boys. Um, you know, I want to get fit enough to be able to do that, but that's not going to be, you know, that's not going to make me beat players you know that's just the the bare minimum yeah. that I need to have but I can't forget the uh the, the side of squash where I'm playing different angles and being you know being like I said attacking and aggressive I think my style of play uh, when I play my best is when I'm when I'm aggressive going forward and moving well and hunting the ball I think that's that's the way I like to play and I sort of lost it for a bit trying to obviously work on what what I thought was my major weakness but that the difference recently is I feel like I'm you know not less bothered about being super fit and um, and all these little technical things in a match. I'm going into a match and I'm thinking, you know, I'm just I'm just in the moment more a bit more and just playing a bit more how 
you know, I feel comfortable. Um, I'm trying to play like I did when I was a bit younger, maybe when I was 17, 18, when I didn't really have that much pressure. You know, I think that helped me a lot. You know, I think that helped me in my recent games. Yeah, well, definitely. A guy that, uh, I mean, it may not be someone that you might sort of see similarities in, but just in terms of the way you're talking, uh, a guy like David Palmer, I mean, uh, he had a hugely physical game. He was extremely fit, at, you know, when he was at the top of the game and he played uh, at an intensity that, that made it really, really difficult for just about anybody to play against when he was at the top of his game. Is that something, uh, you know, the game's a little bit faster now than, than it was back yeah, then just sure. because of the lower can, but uh, something along yeah. those lines? Yeah, I, yeah. recently I've, I've found, like, I definitely changed. My last three or four games I've played on a glass court in Qatar, in Egypt, and in Manchester as well. And the, the intensity on there and the way the game's going, like, is so much more in the front corners than it. Even two years ago, I feel like it's more in the front corners now. Mm. Um, and that sort of made me alter my training a bit to doing less of these long endurance sessions and try and really build, like, a high lactic acid tolerance and power and strength into the front because um you know I, you can be as fit as you like you know you can have the best engine in the world but if you're not dynamic enough to get these balls back what these Egyptians are playing you know with someone like James Wallstrop if he's putting you into the front corners you have to be so strong in deep lunges you know so that I definitely changed my way of thinking about my training from switching it from endurance to real high power yeah I, I think that and yeah, it's just that real high intensity work and that uh, the explosive plays. Like the, Egypt, the 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 young people are coming through now. It's is the way they're playing is so aggressive. Like mm. you know, I just feel like the game's going that way all the time. Um, so I feel like that that's recently that's what I've tried to really adapt my game to is to try and go more that way. Still have to do you know you can't just train one dimensionally. You still have to do the endurance work and be prepared to have long rallies, but my last four matches have been so um, taxing on the legs, not the lungs. It's been more, you know, real trying to keep the explosive endurance going instead of the lungs. You know, it's just it's definitely getting getting quicker. Yeah. Uh, speaking of James, so did you see his match today? Yeah, he's unbelievable. He was on, he was on fire. <laughs> and the, the young lad he's playing as well is, in my eyes, a you know a top a top twenty player. Yeah, you know he's yeah. he's he's beat deck three two. He might not be there yet, but he's beat deck three two. He's um he's like he's Mohammed, like Mohammed El Shabagi. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I know Shabagi weren't at his best, uh, but yeah. still to be, even beat Shabagi when he's not at his best is a like an accomplishment. So he's definitely a top twenty player in my eyes, and he Wilshop just played him, but like it was a. It was an unbelievable performance, really, the way he hits the ball. Uh, I've got yeah. a lot of respect for James. He's beat me. Well, well, I've never I've never got really that close. I've nicked a game here and there. Um, but he's um, the way he plays, you know, he's he managed to be so tough physically and so um, tough physically in his, in his head. Like he's got a lot of um, confidence about how he can play squash when he's super tired, but keep the quality up. And that's what I struggle with when I'm tired my, my my level of squash goes down but James's quality seems to go up as he gets more tired which is so hard to play against because you think you've got him tired and then he just hangs in and then plays amazing squash at the same time he's you know for us young lad uh young players he's like a massive role model really for everything oh for sure what what uh, struck me today there was one moment in the match and uh I forget what it was um yeah, Yusuf asked for let, and it was uh, the referee gave gave him a let. But it really looked to me like it was a no let, and I think the the announcers said, yeah, it probably wasn't a let. But uh, James just went on, didn't even argue. He, he didn't. He didn't uh -huh. even. He just went on and served. Uh, I mean, yeah, that, that's yeah, something, he, that's something like th that he seems to do in just about every match is to avoid. Uh, getting into any confrontations or unnecessarily. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, him and I think Deck's good for that as well. Those guys, yeah. um, they don't want to be arguing. You know, they 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 feel that most comfortable when you know when they're playing and they when they're obviously that much focused. Like other people, like obviously, like feel the need to talk and it gets them a bit more hyped up or gives them a bit more time to recover. 
but those guys, yeah, they, they James doesn't need to talk to referees. He's, his quality is too good. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he had his length going today, and the the the, the tight drop shots in the front corners. He he didn't really give uh, Yusuf any chance to no. be explosive because he he as you know he he's very explosive and very talented, uh, like a lot of the uh, young Egyptians are. Yeah, I, I could sort of feel his pain really, like because I've played wall dropping. You can feel like you try and do too much with the ball, and you try and move him forward because he's not obviously the best mover. Yeah. And then you forget that he is a better mover than you think, you know. Yeah. Um, well, he was moving he well today, wasn't back. he? <laughs> yeah, and he gets, <laughs> he gets, he gets, he gets balls back with interest. He gets balls back with interest as well. So it's not like he's um, getting there and playing with, with poor quality. He's he's just getting there. But some of the shots he's pulling off when he's off balance are just crazy. So he can try and force it too much and it's the wrong thing to do. But then also if you're just hit, hitting out, onto his racket, you're just setting yourself up for a pressure session, really. You're just going to get knackered within 35, 40 minutes. Yeah, that's so exactly I really what happened. Today. Yeah, oh, yeah, for, for sure. sure. Yeah, You broke him in the end, didn't he, in the last game? So, Yeah. Now, uh, I, I, I want to give uh, my buddy uh, Bob Ballinger a little bit of a shout-out. You might know Bob from Bankers, uh, Bankers Hall in oh. Calgary. Uh, yes, I remember Bob, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a good friend of mine, and uh, you know, just uh, you mentioned you you've played a fair bit in, in Canada. Uh, to tell me what what it was about the the Bankers Hall event uh, that you won. I think it was in 2018. Uh, what do you remember yeah. about that event? And it, it's probably, at least in Canada, anyways, the longest running uh, PSA uh, uh, event in in Canada. It's one of the longest running, be- I think, on tour. Yeah, it used to be a 30 It used to be a bit... I used to have a bit more money to it, didn't it? I, I remember Shabana had played there. Yeah. A lot of the top top pros had played Dave there. Palmer, um, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was one of the coolest cities I've ever been to. Was, uh, you could walk around Calgary and not touch the floor. Walk around the whole city and just walk in these tunnels. I found that amazing. Um, <laughs> how connected it was. It, because it's obviously freezing there. That helps. But yeah, it was a good tournament. I remember that being... I think it's a slight altitude. That's right. Sure yeah, well, people... you're up there at the, in the Rockies, right? So, yeah, uh, near 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 the great ski resorts. Yeah, um, oh, there's a there was a park called Banff. Yeah, the Banff um, like National a, Park. Yeah. Wow, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, you went there, yeah, did you? I, yeah, I went there. I got a guy from the club called Neil, um, who he was from England. He um, he just oh, after I won it actually. Um, he just said to me, do you want to stay at my house? Because I had, my hotel ran out and he took me out for the day. Um, oh. It was a wicked day and I got to see the mountains, walk around. It was, it was I, I really like Canada. Um, Medicine Hat, I've played in Medicine Hat. That wasn't quite as good. <laughs> that <laughs> was a Hat. quite strange place. <laughs> that's in, that's not, not in uh, Saskatchewan, right? Yeah, it, yeah I'm not yeah. knocking it, but it, it was not as good as Calgary's. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, I mean, uh, across the country, I think, uh, I mean, Saskatchewan's got a quite a, a prolific history for its squash if, you know, in terms of can, uh, Canada. But uh, that, I think that event's uh, been running for, for a few years as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, there was a lot of history to it. Um, it was a wicked club and a good city. I remember, I can't remember if we played with an altitude ball, but I remember, you know, feeling a lot better the next week Um playing because I played two tournaments and Medicine Hat was I think more at ground level and I could definitely feel the difference in my lungs from playing four or five games at an altitude having a week of hard playing and then the next day going down to ground level I could remember feeling the difference of you know the oxygen debt um, in Calgary was pretty hard harsh you know and um, it takes a while to get used to it but as soon as you come back down I felt amazing and next week I felt like I couldn't get tired (laughs) even though I lost I mean, I guess, I mean, you got guys like Miguel and, uh, you know, Miguel probably trained quite a bit at altitude growing up. Uh, I mean, that that's, uh, speaks to his, uh, you know, his fitness levels and what he can do on the court. But imagine training uh, under those. So I think, I think James actually trained at altitude in Colorado, if memory serves, uh, yeah. in the U.S. It's, for it's, a few think- years ago. It's a weird one, altitude. I've read a lot of things on it. I think if you go and train in altitude or play in altitude for, I don't know, a month, three weeks, it's a limited time to how much you, you feel the difference. But if you grow up and were born in altitude and lived there for most of your life, 
I think that stays that kind of the adaptation from trading stays for longer. So maybe if you went out for a month trading altitude, I don't know, it could last for three weeks, but you'd eventually lose the lose the adaptation of the altitude training. Right. Someone like Miguel, if he was born at it, that might be, he's, you know, he, he's that's in his DNA type thing, I think. Right, yeah. He pulled out, I don't know if you saw that highlight, he pulled up quite a, an interesting shot yesterday. Uh, not a shot, uh, the guy he was playing, who did he play? Yes, oh, um, uh, Yusuf, uh, Yusuf Suleiman. Or Suleiman, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yusuf hit a shot off the back wall, and uh, Miguel jumped uh, over the ball. So the ball over went under. Ball. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. Yeah, he like he like he likes diving around, doesn't he? He's all. He, I've I've never played him, but he just looks oh, really? yeah. to play. No, I've never played him. I, I've I've been in league matches with him, but you know, he just it, the balls. He even himself is coming at different angles all the time. The ball, his movement. It must be quite awkward to try and play. I don't look yeah. forward to playing him really. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I mean, you you seem to be. I mean, like, like I said earlier, I mean, you, you've had some some great wins uh, lately over Greg uh, Loban, Lucas Serum, Victor Quinn, and uh, some some really good results uh, against the the top ten uh, players in the world. So, just uh, you know, I won't belabor that this one too much. But uh, you know, what do you think? Because you seem to be right there, your your top twenty uh, uh, material right now, George. So, what do you think you need to do uh, to get there, and then uh, obviously to take it to that next level? Yeah, I think for me, it's um, I think it's a lifestyle choice. You know, I think I've got to try and set up, you know, being a bit more professional and set up like a more of a base type thing. You know. Uh, obviously, I've been with Rob. I was with Rob from the age of 17, 18, right up until about a year ago. And he did nothing but good for me, really, over there. Um, taught me how to hit the ball. Um, I was around good players, around Joel. and Yeah, I, you know, I know. Uh, I know. I, I'm just sorry for interrupting. I mean, I've had him on the podcast and he, he has a really, uh, you know, he has a spot in his heart for you. Yeah, yeah, I've I've always had a um, always got on well with Rob and respect. You know, he taught me how the fundamentals of the game really. As I said, I had coaching before him with England squash, but um, he was the first guy to actually made me think about how to hit the ball and how to play patterns of play. You know, he's, he's he is very good at that. Um, along with Chris Ryder over there, um, he's and John Tate. I think they've all got a good understanding. Well, very good understanding of how to, you know, have options on the ball and patterns of play. You can see that with his, with his players. Um, so that, that was a massive help. So that, that was a good base, you know, I lived over there. Then I obviously um, was with Nick as well. And Nick was very good. The professional, the professionalism there with Mark Campbell as well and the physicality and the, the way they treat training is that's the most professional setup I've seen um, in terms of, people turn up on time, organisation. That was a big wake-up call just for hard work. Just showed me uh, you need to take this more of a, see it as more of a job, you know, turn up on time. You, you're investing in yourself in that way. And that made me a lot more fitter and mentally fit. And they both helped me massively. But obviously I'm, I'm not with anyone at the moment. I don't have a coach. So I'm looking to have more of a sort of a base. And I need, you know, the one thing I see with all the top you know, the very top plays is um, an obsession and a, a lifestyle choice, which is going to come to a stage with me where I need to realise um, if I want to be, I think I've got the potential to definitely be a top 20 player, if not a top 15 player. Um, but the life, I think I need the, the top five players and the top four players like Paul Cole, Joel, the top 10 of all do a bit more. And they, I think they live and breathe it a bit more. Um, they think a lot more. I think their lifestyle choices would be better. And I think that long-term down the road, not right now, but long-term, that might be the difference between, you know, me being a, a 15, 16, 20 in the world player or being a, a top five or a top top eight, a top 10. And it's a, that is a big difference. It might not sound it in the rankings, but the difference of level from 20 in the world to eight in the world is huge in my yeah. eyes, you know, because I've not really, I've got the odd game off people like, Paul Cole and stuff like that, but that's pretty easy to do when there's no pressure, and you let your hand go, and you 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 you're enjoying yourself. It, I don't take I don't take that and think, oh, um, I'm a I'm not far off a top five player. I'm a mile I'm miles away really 
Um, I'm not close to beating them top eight players. I can push them, but you know, I'm not. I'm being realistic here. But then you take it down the order, and you, you start looking at these 16, 17, 18, 20 players. There's definitely me at the moment there's room for me to beat them top and get a bit of a scalp there which I have I've beat the odd 20, 20 in the world player um, but further down the line to beat these type of guys what are putting in that much work and you know thinking about the game that much is going to take for me to change my lifestyle and I think and start putting a bit more attention to detail and investing in my own game you know it's, it's I can it, 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 for my level beating the I uh, getting some results around 25, 30 in the world is is you know, that's doable, but it's just going to be a big jump and a lifestyle change, I think, to start beating the players you want to beat, who are the top top 12, top 15 players. Yeah, no, definitely. One thing that, I mean, I've, I've been following your your game for a while, and one thing I've noticed uh, of late anyways is, uh, you know, just mentally, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you seem to be more, uh, more focused uh, on the task uh, at hand uh, when you're on court, even when things are, aren't maybe going your way, you seem to stay, stay the course, uh, which may not have been the, the, the case uh, a few years ago. Yeah. I think it's, it's a bit of a weird one as well. Cause you know, when, when, when I was ranked a bit higher at 31 in the world, I think my ego, even though that's not amazingly high, but for me, I felt on top of the world really. And my, my ego was really big. You know, my ego was really <laughs> yeah. big. Um, and I thought I was behaving worse in some ways because the arrogance and the talking to the markers. And then I just as quickly went down the rankings as I went up. So I went straight back down to 50 in the world and then sort of crushed my ego a bit with that. Um, and I sort of took a step back and trying to be a bit more humble on court as well. I've, I play my, I think I play my best when I'm just below the red line where I'm about to get angry, but I can control it, which is a tough thing for me mm. to do. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, when I spill over and start getting aggressive with my opponent and the referees and the crowd, it doesn't no, no one any good, good. It doesn't do the sport good. It doesn't do my game any good. Um, but when, once I'm just under the line and I'm aggressive and I'm thinking more about the squash, I think that's when I'm at my best. So it's a tricky one to do because I don't want to get too flat and um, too nice because uh, people are just going to walk all over me. But also, once I've like ignited my ego a bit and I'm aggressive, I want to win, it's very dangerous for me to get too pumped up like that because I can simmer over. And then that's when things like uh, bans and cautions come into play, which I've had, had in the past. Sure. But I've just learned it for experience, really. Like I'm still nowhere near the way I should be in behavioural. But I definitely just just for experience of having bans and you know, in the moment now when I'm about to fly... 80% of the time I can sort of rein it in, especially when there's cameras around and on squash TV, because I'm just learning that I've lost so much time with bands um, just for little stupid things what actually don't need a reaction. Um, but yeah, don't get me wrong. I still, if someone pokes me, I'm going to react to that. That's my, my, my character. <laughs> yeah, I'm just yeah. trying to, you know, just, just a bit more maturity. I'm 24 now and I've played t over 200 games. So, you know, just in that heat at the moment, I'm just starting to learn that, it ain't worth it. Put it into your squash. So yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I've I've noticed just recently, anyways. I mean, you you definitely you hold you 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 play a very professional uh, brand of squash o over the last uh, year year and a half or so, and uh, yeah, you don't really see that uh, anger or frustration uh, come out. Obviously, it comes out every now and then, but uh, not to the yeah. extent that it had. But just on those lines, and uh, you've been great with your time, George, I, I just wanted to ask you, you know, uh, Marwan El-Sherbagi is recent, you know, he recently was suspended uh, by the mm -hmm. PSA. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that, you know, may, maybe, you know, he's gone through something that you've gone through. I mean, going through it now seems to mm -hmm. have been targeted maybe. And he, I think he feels like uh, he's being hard done by, or maybe he's being targeted by the, the officials and by even by the PSA. So for, I mean, you, you've had that experience, maybe not the same as him, but uh, you know, what sort of advice would you, you know, if you were to give him advice or anyone in his shoes, well, advice? I think, he, I think he'd be giving me advice. I can't give him advice. He's been eight in the world, but, yeah, um, no, just I, I mean, think, just in terms of you know, because uh, he he does get a bit hot under. He's someone that you can see where he's, he's kind of losing it uh, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, um, it's it's a tough one with that. Um, 
Yeah, it's hard. It's the I think the the reaction to the referee, they've all got a reason for reacting, you know. Um yeah. my reputation hasn't come out of thin air and nor is his. Like they they've got a reason for thinking that, whether they're right or wrong to, you know, sometimes prejudge. But I always think now when I think about it, um I can re- I can remember when I was in America once actually, and this shows you what my reputation is. I was playing um I was playing Marwan actually. And okay. recently I've um I've tried to speak to referees before. My psychologist taught me t- told me basically to try and humanize the refs and don't see them as a like an opposition or a, like a robot. Try and actually speak to them and like see them on a human level. Well, that might change the way you react to them in the heat of the moment. So I tried to go up to the referee and shake his hand. I went, "Hi, mate. I'm George Parker." And he went, "I went, what's your name?" And he went, "Yeah, I know who you are." So he yeah, already man. knew that yeah. he was already shutting me down straight away. And I thought, well, I was thinking, I was thinking that's not fair. But then all he's heard is my through that my past experiences, and I c- I can only blame myself for that. Um, but mm. I think it doesn't take long to change, you know, people's opinions. It doesn't take long. Long. It, I don't know how long it takes, but you know, I think if you start changing, people do notice now. You know, with the cameras, mm. you know squash TV, social media, it gets around, you know, the good behaviour and also so does bad behaviour. Um, so it doesn't take long to p- change people's minds on um, right. that kind of thing. So, but yeah, I just, I just, I just try and blame myself now. It's easy to point the finger at others, but I, every, you know, everything I've done in the past I, and my bands and stuff, it's all come through me. Not, not nothing to do with, you know, bad refereeing or like, I was harshly done by it was it was me being out of order really and I think that's part of maturing slightly is learning that it is it's you not get yeah. too negative about it but it is you it's not them you know they're they're always going to be there and they're always going to be you know there's always going to be bad decisions in that and yeah part of the game it. isn't it yeah and it's that's, it's easy to sit that out here and say it now in the heat in the moment you know when you've got a crowd and there's a lot of money and points on the line, people are going to, you know, people are going to lash out and, you know, but deep down they're, um, they are, they're human beings, you know? Um, yeah, <laughs> so it's yeah. quite odd. I don't, some, some of the refereeing, I don't think it's up to standard, you know? Um, but we're, we're lucky. We, we're in a generation now where we've got re like we can review it. So. Absolutely. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, the, what you just mentioned there, the gesture that you, uh, you know, extending your hand to the referee beforehand, and I'm not sure how that match went with with Marwan that day, but uh, I'm sure at the end of that match, if you, you know, if things had, you know, were pretty good between you and the referee, he would have had a, you know, a different opinion of you uh, at the end of uh, that match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if he did, but <laughs> um, <laughs> right, right. I, I, I was trying my best, you know, it's that. It's not. It wasn't a tactic either. It was more of a thing, like to for my own sake. If I can see him more of as more as a human being and actually sort of look at him in his eye and half know him, it might stop me from when I am at eight all or in the in the fifth or wherever. When it's a tight point, it's easy for me to turn around and just absolutely go berserk and uh, yeah. without thinking. But I think if I can just see him more on a human level, it just might stop me from, you know, given the abuse that I do do. And it, it has worked recently in a way, not not 100%, but it's definitely toned my, my behaviour down to the point where I'm not having, speaking like down to referees, you know, and, and like speaking in the wrong way. Slightly improve my manners, I, I think, so. Well, I, yeah, I, I agree 100%. I mean, the, the last... Uh few tournaments that I've seen you play in, you've definitely been uh, been very, very good on court with the referees and it's uh, sort of reflection uh, in the quality of your game as well, I think. Yeah. 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 Well, George, uh, really, uh, I really enjoyed ch- uh, chatting with you here today um, and I just want to wish you all the best. Hope to get to see you again uh, whenever the next uh, pro event's coming up in uh, 2021. So, uh, all the best yeah. to you and your family for for a happy uh, new year and a Merry Christmas. And uh, I hope maybe uh, down the road you can come on the podcast again. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, I've enjoyed it, mate. It's quite nice to, uh, you know, talk about things like this. It gets a lot of stuff, you know, off your chest. And I wouldn't really speak about it because, I was, like I said, I don't have a coach. So it's been nice to open up a bit and, you know, I've enjoyed being on here. 
Well, that was awesome. George Parker, if you need him, great stuff there. And uh, looking forward to having him back on again. I think it was just the tip of the iceberg. George uh, turned out to be very, very anecdotal and uh, really expressed himself uh, well on a lot of topics. And I appreciate uh, George for coming on. And uh, hopefully all the best to him uh, in the new year with the squash. Like I said uh, before we started, he's really uh, taken a a good upward trajectory uh, in terms of his game. He's been playing well. He's had some good wins over some good players and stretching guys in the top ten. So that bodes well for him uh, going forward. Uh, Now, in terms of going forward on the podcast, we've got a few ladies coming on. Uh, Haley Mendez, uh, who just played in uh, the black ball there, she had an early exit, but uh, she's got quite a a squash story herself, American uh, talent there, Uh, one of several uh, uh, top Americans to play uh, in Cairo uh, last week. Um, as you know, Amanda and Sabrina Sobi did quite well. Uh, Haley had a, had a good start to her match and then fell off the pace a bit. But she's going to come on, uh, I think, later this week. And then, you know, fingers crossed, we will have the uh, the winner of the uh, the black ball, the ladies' version of the black ball, Sarah Jane Perry, on earlier in, uh, early uh, next week. So we're really looking forward to that. Uh, in terms of my squash, uh, my playing partners, a couple of them have left. Uh, for the winter holidays so um, pretty much left to my own devices uh, unless I want to travel a bit uh, right now which and play at another club which is not the, the safest uh, thing to do I don't think so I think I'm going to be getting in some good solo sessions myself I may be getting in a bit of bit more training uh, definitely going to play some more golf uh, until my uh, my sparring partners return uh, how about you I uh, hope you're able to get on, out on court uh, are you playing um, let me know how things are going. Uh, if you have any uh, ideas in terms of uh, any any guests you'd love to have on, don't, they don't have to be top players. They can be coaches. They can be uh, anyone involved in the game at any level in, in any regard. Uh, please uh, let me know. Shoot me a message. Uh, uh, a message on WhatsApp, Instagram. Uh, Twitter, I'm on all of those uh, platforms. I really appreciate all of you guys. Please uh, share these podcasts with everyone. You can share them on all those forms uh, I just mentioned. All the best to all of you. Season's greetings to you and your families. Enjoy the season. Enjoy your squash and have a fantastic day. Goodbye now.